0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes. Caleb is not going to be with us. So I want to go over some stuff here, and this is just an idea that's, it's, honestly, it's always on my mind. I could tell you it was something I was thinking about recently, but to be honest with you, it's always on my mind. And this is, this first minute is going to be for the pastor and the prophet. For those of you that don't know, as far as the Bible definition goes, when we think of a prophet, we usually think of someone who makes futuristic predictions in the Bible. And I get that, and that's a totally legitimate explanation of what a prophet is. But when we read in the New Testament, we also find out that a prophet is simply someone that proclaims the word of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, these prophets were usually sent directly by God, and they had a message directly from God. So that was something for a group of people, sometimes for an individual, right? Nathan the prophet came to David and had something for him. And then you have Jonah, and Jonah had something for the people of Nineveh. But what you find is there are no futuristic prophecies that Jonah spoke of other than what he did, which was, you know, being in the belly of the whale for three days. Uh, That was certainly prophetic of Christ. But you find out that it's not like Jonah had a bunch of stuff that he was explaining that was going to happen down the road. He was just going to proclaim the word of the Lord to a group of people, and he was telling them, you need to get right or else and then they did get right and he was upset about that he wanted them to (laughs) to crash and burn anyway long story short the idea is that anyone who is a bible teacher technically fits the definition of a prophet when you look through the new testament and the new testament definition that we are given And the Bible talks about uh, prophets still. Now, there might be some people that are going to say, oh, yeah, I am here from God to tell you this. I am not one of those people. Now, I will tell you this. I will tell you, I am here to tell you what God said. And when I say that, I am holding up a King James Bible, and I am reading out of it, and I say, thus saith the Lord, because the Lord wrote this book. So... I do declare the word of the Lord, but it's not a, I don't have a special message or anything unique to the Bible. The only thing I have for you is the Bible. But I preach the Bible, and I am a pastor of a little home church out here in Grand Junction, Colorado. So I teach the Bible regularly to a group of people. Now, this is the burden of the prophet and the pastor today and that is to somehow get the people to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Now you see, a lot of Christians today believe that the Bible is a book about God, and it talks about God, and you can learn things about God, but you would be amazed at the number of folks that do not believe that the Bible is a book from God, that God wrote the book. And there's a major difference. See, level one is, yeah, that's a book about God, and it's good, and there's some good principles, and that's wonderful. And then there is the next level where people say, yeah, no, 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 I believe that God wrote the book. Uh, I just really don't want to believe it or follow it. And then you have the group, and that is the group that says, yes, God wrote the book. I believe that God wrote the book, and I want to do the will of God. I want to follow God. I want to do what he says in the book, and I am just trying to learn what the book says so I can do a better job of following God. That, my friends, is the smallest of the groups. And that's the group that we should want to become, even if we're not there even if we don't want to become that group, we should want to want to become that group because that is the place where all the blessings flow. Now, I'm going to read you a verse here, and this is in Psalm chapter 12, and this is verses 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Ever. When we read that, that is exactly what we're getting down to. That is the idea that either the Bible is from God, it's perfect, it's preserved, and all we have to do is read it and believe it, and we're going to find out that we're going to be blessed by it, or we don't believe that, and we just believe that, yeah, the Bible, you know, that's a that's pretty neat, it's a book about God, but it is not a book Written by God, and that's a major difference. And all I've ever wanted is for the people that I teach the Bible to to have a love and respect for the Bible that God has given me. Okay, God has instilled in me an awe of the Bible, and I love the Bible, I love studying the Bible, I love reading the Bible, I love teaching the Bible, I love talking about the Bible. Now that is not always the case, and believe me, when I'm in a position where I'm not close to God and there is just, I'm just in a bad mood and you know, sin is just gnawing at me and creeping in, uh, you know, I want less and less to do with God and the Bible. But, but I'm saying, as is the normal case, when I'm getting up in the morning and reading the Bible and praying and sharing it with my family and doing all the things I'm supposed to do, God has given me a love and respect for the Bible. For those folks that believe that the Bible is written by God, one of the most important lessons we can read is found in Deuteronomy. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. We're going to go through, you know, a little bit of Bible tonight because Caleb's not with me, so I cannot talk back and forth. There's not going to be a lot of banter. Although there are some folks that are commenting, and that is wonderful, and it's nice to see you on here, and I'll answer any questions that you have as we go, Um, please understand we're going to be going through the Bible and using a little bit. So Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now in this chapter, if there was one chapter we could get the new christian to believe this would be the chapter that i would want them to believe above all others and remember this now i'm going to give you the idea here in a little bit of the setup so starting in verse one and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the lord thy god to observe and to do all his commandments which i command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So this is what we call an if-then promise. God says, if you do this, then I will do that. So God says, if you will hearken diligently, and obey all the commandments and follow in my ways then all these blessings will come upon thee and overtake thee so God says that you're not only going to be blessed these blessings are going to overtake you now I am NOT the health and wealth prosperity gospel guy I'm really not but I will tell you that I believe my life is blessed beyond measure and I believe I am one of the most blessed Christians in the world. Now, that might be totally wrong. I might sound totally arrogant. I don't know. Or maybe I just have a right understanding of the blessings of God. Either way, if anyone were to ask me about why my life has any areas of success, I would tell them it's because I obey God in this area and that area, and God promises uh, to come through with blessings, and I believe he does. Now, let's read a few of these. Verse three, blessed shalt thou be in in the city, and blessed thou shalt be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket, and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out." And really, isn't that all we want? Don't we just want to be blessed coming and going, right? I mean, that's exactly what I want. Uh, The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, obviously... Uh, Moses is reading this to the children of Israel in preparation to go over into the promised land, and he's talking about that land. So understand that. And if you're one of the folks that thinks that, oh, well, that's the Old Testament, and that's only for the Jews, and that being obedient to God and having that being related to blessings has nothing to do with us in the New Testament, if you have that belief, that's fine. You're going to disagree with everything I say, but I believe 100% that the same God that wrote the Old Testament wrote the New Testament. I don't know if you know that, but um, I am uh, monotheistic. I believe in one God, not many. Okay, There's no difference between the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament. And When God says that when his people obey his commands, they will be blessed, I believe it. Now that is a line that a lot of folks refuse to cross. They say, "No, no, 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 I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to believe that if I obey God, I'm going to be better off." Or at least even if they say that and they do they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I believe that." They're still not going to do it. Unfortunately, that's the struggle that all God has been trying to do for these, you know, almost 6,000 years of earth's history is get his people to just obey him. Now, we can continue reading about these blessings down through verse 13 and I'm gonna read 13 and 14 just as a good segue into the next part and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail and thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God which I command thee this day to observe and to do them and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So that concludes the blessing part. You want to guess what's coming next? What comes next are the curses. So we read through uh, verse 1 and 2 our introduction and then verse 3 down to verse 13 11 verses talk about the blessings that come when we are obedient and follow God's commands. Now we're going into uh verse 15 and it says, "But if it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee." Now, I tell Christians all the time, the the ones that are, you know, struggling, their life is just a mess and they feel like God's nowhere to be found. I always tell them, "Well, read Deuteronomy chapter 28 and read about all them curses and tell me if any of them sound like your life." Cuz if they do, guess what? There's some stuff in the Bible that you're not doing that you're supposed to and you can rectify that, and you can move from the cursing category over to the blessing category. Once again, this is Patrick Hayes believing that God still deals with people the same way in the Old Testament as he does in the New Testament. God said, let me ask you this, why did God call this sin? Okay, the, this is just type of athletic tape, I'm just using it as a prop. Why did God say, okay everyone, this thing, is sin stay away from it don't touch it don't eat it don't look at it don't have anything to do with it why did god say that that is sin he said it is sin because it is bad for you that's it all the things in the world that are bad for you bad for your family bad for your children god said this is sin you got to stay away from it you're not allowed to have it in your life that's it then you come over here and you say okay Why did God say that this is good? Why did God say to do this? Why did God command us to do this? And the, and the reason is because it is good for you. It is good for your family. It is good for your children. It is good. So God said, I command you to do this, and I forbid you to do this. That's it. That's why some things are sinful and some aren't because God loves us and he knows what's best for us So he said stay away from the bad stuff and do the good stuff and unfortunately our flesh doesn't like that our flesh wants to do the bad stuff and Our flesh wants to stay away from all the good stuff and that's what people do now God says in verse 15, we're in Deuteronomy 28 15, in case you want to know uh, what part of the Bible uh, to ignore right now. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now, if you are counting, you're going to be counting for a while, because you find out that from 16. All the way to verse 68 is a list of nothing but curses. There were 11 blessings God listed in the blessings category in the first 13 verses of chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy. Now God says, Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shalt thy shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thine kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. And this is the exact opposite of what God said would happen if you obeyed him. He said, if you disobey me and don't keep any of my commandments, then you're going to be cursed coming and going as opposed to being blessed coming and going. Now, People don't like that idea. And in Christianity, I should, I should clarify, in American Christianity today, people don't like that idea because it doesn't fit in with the life that we think we deserve. And basically, Americans are, by and large, entitled bratty children And we think that we should have all the good stuff all the time, no matter what, no matter how we act, and that's an entitled mentality that's just destroying our nation and ruining our children. But you see it everywhere. That's not the way God set it up. God said, it's up to you whether you're blessed or whether you're cursed. Now, understand, there are good things that are going to happen to bad people, and there are bad things that are going to happen to good people. And God talks about that, and we read about that in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus says, uh, the sun will shine on the just and unjust, and the rain shall come on the uh, righteous and the wicked. Now that was a paraphrase. I don't, that's not, you know, don't, don't quote me on that. But God says that. Look, there are going to be good things that happen to bad people, and there's going to be bad things that happen to good people because that's just life, and and just life happens. Okay. So understand that, you know, good people are going to get a flat tire at an inopportune time. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are living in some type of sin and avoiding the will of God and good people are going to find a $20 bill on the ground. And that doesn't mean that they are obeying God and their life is wonderful. Okay. So understand that that, that is a part of this formula, but please believe That God was not lying to you when he wrote this book. God is not capricious. He doesn't change his mind on a whim. Emotions don't carry God to and fro. God is consistent throughout the Bible. All right, so let's go over to Isaiah chapter 55. I'll give you a second. Turn to Isaiah chapter 55, and we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. This is another part of what we're trying to get the people to understand and believe. This is this, what we're, we're talking about here. This is a message for the pastor and the prophet, okay? The pastor and the prophet, they believe that the Bible is the Word of God. They believe that God wrote the book. The pastor and the prophet, they believe that obedience to God is rewarded with blessings, and disobedience to God is Punished with curses. They believe that. Here's something else that the prophet and the pastor hopefully believe. In Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Folks, do you understand that When you're going through the Bible, it's not going to make sense a lot of times. And I'm not talking about uh, you don't understand a portion of the Bible. Like, oh, I I just don't get it. That doesn't make sense to me. No, what I'm saying is that God is going to command you to do something. And on the surface, you're going to be like, well, that doesn't even make sense. That's going to be a sticking point for a lot of people. Now, I oftentimes, and I don't know if this is going to work today. I'm going to see what's in my billfold. I will oftentimes teach a lesson on money in the Bible. Here we go. Two dollar bills. Then we have a twenty dollar bill. You get that? You got a twenty dollar bill here. You got two dollars right here. Now for those of you that are not math majors, two dollars is ten percent of twenty dollars. And the way it works is God says that you are required to give me 10% of everything I give you. We call it a tithe. Now, that's a four-letter word in a lot of Christian churches and a lot of Christian families. And I don't care if you believe this or not because I'm obedient with my tithe, and God blesses me for it. I don't care if you do it. I'm just telling you, what we do and what the bible says. So God says that from time to time he's going to give you money. And God says that all the money in the world that you get comes from him. So God increases me. So whether I earn this from work, whether I get this given to me in a in a card for my birthday, whether I find this on the ground, no matter how I'm increased from the, by this money, what I am going to do is I am going to take $2 of that money. And I'm going to say, here you go, God. Thank you for that $20. Now, the neat thing about the tithe is that I don't have to give God the $2 until he gives me the 20 Do you know that? What, you ever hear someone say, oh, well, well, we tithe when we can afford to do it. Do you know that that's the stupidest saying I've ever heard in my life? <laughs> you can always afford to tithe because you don't owe God anything until he gives you money. So once you get the money, guess what? Well, you have it in your hand. You can always afford to tithe. Now, you might not do it because you think you need that money for something else. Now, the fool says, how dare God tell me I have to give him $2 back for every 20 he gives me. The wise man says, God, I've got a whole pocket full of singles. How many 20s you got? And it's just swapping 20s for two, 20 for two well, I'll take that bet. I'll take that trade any day of the week. But here's the thing. It doesn't make sense. Just like Isaiah said in Isaiah verses eight and nine in chapter 55, and I'll turn there again. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So right out of the gate, God's saying, don't expect what I tell you to do to be what you naturally want to do, because my ways are not your ways. Your ways are different from my ways. Then God goes on in verse nine, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So then God says that if you want an idea of how much better my ways are than your ways, just imagine how much higher the heavens are than the earth. That's how much superior my ways are than your ways. God wrote the book. When we obey the book, we are blessed. When we disobey the book, we are cursed. And don't expect the book to always make sense. As a matter of fact, God says most of the time it is not going to make sense to you because of how much higher my ways are than your ways. So the Christian says, Patrick, how can keeping $18 of 20 go further and last longer and make me more money than if I were to keep 20 of each 20 That doesn't make sense. Well, mathematically, it does not make sense. I'm not saying it makes sense mathematically. What I'm saying, though, is that when there is a supernatural God in charge of that $20, guess what? It is going to work. God gives us commandments all the time that don't make sense to us, and therefore we don't do it. Not going to do it. God says to love your wife. God says to submit to your husband. Those are hard for the husband and those are hard for the wife to do. God says we are supposed to obey our government. We are supposed to be loyal. God says that we are supposed to obey the authorities that are above us. God asks a lot of things that are tall orders. folks, we can barely keep the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to get off into too many other things that, that God wants us to do. We are so full in our lives of idols and idolatry. It is insane. You say, Patrick, that doesn't sound right. Well, you don't understand what idols are. You think that unless it's carved out of stone, it can't be an idol fact is, most Christians don't know their Bible. Most Christians don't even have a plan where they're reading their Bible. Did you read your Bible today? Did you read your Bible today? I can say, I read my Bible today. I read five chapters of the Bible today. I read it with my family. We studied it. We underlined portions and we talked about it. That's what we're supposed to be doing as a Christian every day. Every day, we're supposed to set some time aside and we're supposed to read the Bible with our family. We're supposed to study it. We're supposed to talk about it. As a Christian, if we're not doing that, how far do you think we're going to get? Where do you think these blessings come from if we're not willing to give God? I mean, really, how long does it take to read a chapter of the Bible with your family and talk about it some? You could honestly start and finish in 30 minutes or less. It's not hard to do, but we don't do it. And we wonder where the blessings are. We wonder why it feels like our life is cursed. All right. going to move on to another part. So, okay, here. I've been in the book of Jeremiah. I've been in the book of Jeremiah for a long time. And I've gone through the book, and I went through the book again and again and again. Because there's so much there. And I am picking up more and more every time I go through it. And I just don't feel like I understand it well enough. And the book of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are so important. Jeremiah had the toughest job in the Bible. He was told to go to a group of people and tell them what God wanted them to do. And he not only was going to give them a message that nobody in the nation of Israel wanted to hear, but there were groups of false prophets spreading the exact opposite story that Jeremiah was giving. You see what was going on at the time was there was a siege happening around Jerusalem. It was the third of three sieges. So in the first siege um, they took away the Babylonians, laid siege to Jerusalem, and they took away a bunch of the best and the brightest of the Jews. That included Daniel. He was taken off to Babylon. That, they took away the majority of the implements from the temple, basically anything made of gold and silver and brass, all the implements, the candlesticks, the brass laver, the, everything they used for the priestly uh, services that were valued, uh, they were taken away. And then Nebuchadnezzar sets up a vassal king. He rebels. Um, Nebuchadnezzar comes back, lays siege again. Same thing happens. They take away more of the Jews. Ezekiel goes with them this time. So Daniel's in Babylon, Ezekiel's in Babylon. And then uh, they set up another vassal king. He rebels, and then Nebuchadnezzar comes back. He has a belly full of it, and he's, he's done. So he lays siege to uh, Jerusalem, and this time they're going to level it. They're going to destroy the place. They're going to kill everybody. I mean, it is ugly. And it is during this siege where it gets so bad that the people start uh, – they, they've already killed and eaten every animal – Um, within the walls, they're running out of food, they're running out of water, they start uh, killing and eating their own children. They turn to cannibalism, and it gets really, really ugly. And uh, the people are just, I mean, none of us can understand or comprehend how horrifying it would be to wake up one morning and look outside and see Armies from another nation that have surrounded and cut off your city and they are going to sit there and wait as long as they need until you are starved out and you die. And then they're going to, you know, come in and (laughs) break down the walls and light the place on fire and kill everybody that's left crawling around. And that's what they were faced with and that's the those that's the situation that Jeremiah was in when he was preaching his message and and there were false prophets and they were coming and they were saying no 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 it's okay uh god is going to save us okay god wouldn't let this bad stuff happen we're going to be fine don't worry about it god's going to come to the rescue and Jeremiah is saying no you guys got it wrong The Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, is the instrument of God to punish us for how wicked we have been, how idolatrous we have been. Bad news is coming. We are all going to die, and you need to understand that the Babylonians, we have to stop fighting against them. They are God's hand of punishment. We need to submit to them, and that is the only way we will survive. And it was so bad that Not only all the people, but the government officials and even the family of Jeremiah were plotting uh, to overthrow Jeremiah and to kill him because they were so tired of what he was saying. They called him a traitor. They accused him of working for the Babylonians. Uh, He was in prison. He was tortured, and there were several attempts on his life during his ministry. And Jeremiah was the prophet that loved Israel and loved Jerusalem more than any man on earth, and he wanted God's will to be done. But the fact is, Jeremiah was told from the very beginning, "By God, uh, nobody's going to listen to you. They're not going to do your will. It doesn't matter how much you beg, how much you plead, how much you convince, it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do. they are not going to they're not going to obey." And it was heartbreaking for Jeremiah because he loved the people and he loved the land and he wanted God's will to be done and he wanted to see Israel restored and there was nothing that he could do. And I'm afraid that that is a picture of America today and the Christian churches, the Christian families. When I look around and I see Christianity today, I am always so encouraged and so blessed and so excited when I meet a Christian that is excited about God and excited about the Bible and wants to learn the Bible and wants to study the Bible and wants to obey the Bible. And and it's just so refreshing and so encouraging when you see that. And unfortunately there are always going to be so many people that uh, they just want the Bible to condone Whatever their lifestyle already is they don't want to change. They don't want to Add anything to their life. They don't want to stop doing anything that they are doing They don't want their life to be difficult or uncomfortable. They don't want their life to be awkward. They don't want their life to be weird. They want Christianity to basically be mainstream American culture and everything that everybody in America is fine with. That's what Christianity is. Folks, that is so far from Christianity. It's insane. You know, God is not uh, American pop culture, God is not okay with the status quo. God is not okay with most American families, most American churches. God is not okay with most American anything. And when you read the Bible, the way that I know that the majority of Christians are not reading their Bible is because of the way the majority of Christian families look. And they don't look anything like the Bible. They, they don't look like they're making steps towards God. And, and you know, whenever I, I go down this road and I say these things, I don't want everyone to think I'm talking about them because I'm not. I don't know everybody I'm talking about. Don't get me wrong. My wife and I, we know plenty of families who don't really care about God and they're just not into doing anything that the Bible says. and. And they are difficult to hang out with and get along with and be friends with. And then there are families who they love God and they want to serve God and they're excited about God and it's just so refreshing and encouraging to be around them. So understand that I'm not, when I'm when I'm disappointed in the state of Christianity in America I'm not talking about everyone that's listening to this podcast. But there are some people to, to be honest with you, if you're listening to a podcast on Christianity, you're probably not doing that badly. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know I don't know how many Christians spend the time listening to some preacher, talk about God for an hour on a podcast or do it regularly, but uh, that that's probably that that's a great start. Um, if you're spending the same amount of time reading your Bible and praying, then boy, you're you're just I mean that's great. Uh, you know that's that's encouraging. But the fact is, America is not in the state that it is in because the families are strong and the churches are strong and the Christians are strong. That's just not the case. In schools, they used to try to teach children. They used to get children to try to think and to push the boundaries of science and mathematics and and learn more. You know, we we discovered steam locomotives okay that's great and we we discovered you know uh, petroleum production and that's great and we and we discovered um, o- automobiles and we discovered you know, flight and we discovered space travel and, and we keep breaking the bounds and, and, and going further and learning more. And, and what we can do in medicine is so amazing because we are we are pushing and we are trying to learn more about, about the world and how things work. And that's what education is supposed to be. And now uh, the, the number of hours eaten up Um, in schools because they have to talk about and try to talk kids down off the ledge from suicide uh, and and battling suicide and battling bullies and just trying to get kids to stay off their cell phones long enough to be able to learn something and talk about something in public school it's a real problem when you ask uh, the kids Um, about the the dining room table and the dinner table and and family meals Uh, most of them would say that they eat dinner alone or just with their device in their hands and then they go right back to playing video games and being on their phone and they are no longer having meals around the table they're no longer talking about godly things they're no longer meeting around the table in the morning over a cup of coffee and reading the Bible before they start their day and And you can see it in the kids in the schools, you can see it in the education system, you can see it in uh, the way the world is turning out with, with, you know, all the different sexual immorality and um, uh, there is kidnapping and sex trafficking, there is uh, suicide is becoming rampant, hopelessness is just... In the minds of so many children and and that's why suicide is you know one of their only answers because of altruism they just don't see another way out and if Christians were strong if Christianity was strong if the churches were strong if families were strong this wouldn't be the case Um, we would be doing really well and I hate to say it but it comes down to the mother and the father are we doing our job as a parent with our kids. And so many of us can say very easily, no, I'm definitely not. I'm doing the bare minimum. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. And let me tell you, I've been there. Our family's been there. And uh, we've had to make lots of changes. We've had to make big, radical changes in our life to make sure that our kids are doing well and that we're at least spending the time with them so we can give them the best chance. And I find that a lot of people are not willing to make big radical changes in their life. What people want is for everything to continue on as it is because it's comfortable and it's easy. And the fact of the matter is being a Christian family that does the will of God, it's different, it's hard, it's weird, it's time consuming, goes against the grain of society. So I understand why a lot of people don't want to do it. But if we want the blessings of God, then that's what we have to do. We have to listen to that prophet, that Ezekiel, that Jeremiah, that Daniel, and we have to recognize when they are talking to us, God is speaking to us. He's tapping us on the shoulder and he's saying, look, you need to make a change. This is not okay. What you're doing is wrong. And I'm telling you, the way that we're going to get our heart softened up and ready to receive the Word of God when a prophet speaks, when a pastor speaks, when a preacher or a teacher of the Bible speaks, is we have to be in the Bible. We have to read our Bible every day. We need to study the Bible. And we got to know the Word of God, and that is how the Holy Spirit of God softens up our heart so that way when we hear the teaching and the preaching, it has a chance to change us and get us to be in line with God and His ways of doing things. And remember, God's ways of doing things are only going to be strange. They're going to be weird to us. That's what Isaiah, I think we were in 55, yeah, 55 verses 8 and 9. That's what it says. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're different. So that's a great, that's a real easy way to start as far as a litmus test. If we're wondering if what we're doing is the way God wants us to do it, just ask yourself, is this the way I want to do it? Well, if it is, we're probably not doing it God's way and we need to read the Bible and figure out what's going wrong. So the pastor and the prophet they come to the people, and they want the people to believe that the that the Bible is the Word of God. They want the people to believe that God has blessings for them if they'll be obedient, and God has curses for them if they're going to be disobedient. The pastor and the prophet, they want the people to understand that the Bible is going to be weird. It is going to be different, and it's going to be difficult to follow. That is a fact. Again and again and again in the Old Testament, we read that God said, You are not allowed to have your daughters marry the sons of the pagans, and you're not allowed to have your sons marry the daughters of the pagans. And the reason was you couldn't marry any one of the nations around you is because they are going to draw you away from the Lord your God, and they're going to get you to worship different gods, and they're going to Pull your heart away from the Lord your God, and you are going to end up in sin, and you're going to go down a bad road. Now, do you want to know why the Israelites were always tempted with that? They were always tempted with the ways that the other nations were living because they were constantly weird. And they felt weird, and they were tired of being different, and they did just wanted to be like everyone else they just wanted the easy way out go ahead and go back and find out when you're reading through samuel first uh, and second samuel find out why did they want a king Why did they want Saul to be their king? Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, why did they want him to be their king? We just want a king like everybody else. We want a king like all the other nations. We're tired of being different, being the only country that has uh, judges and prophets. We're tired of this. We just want a king like everybody else. And you find out, that the Jewish lifestyle was so different from all the other nations. They would work six days and they would take one day off every single week. They weren't allowed to eat these certain foods that the other nations were allowed to do. They weren't allowed to um, get married to multiple people and have all these sexual perversions that all the other nations were allowed to do. Um, all the other nations were allowed to uh, have slaves and they were able to uh, grow their land and work their land in different ways. and they were able to Um, have commerce in in different ways and their laws and their justice was different and every single thing about the Jewish lifestyle was so different and they had a whole bunch of rules they had to follow and they had to go to Jerusalem three times a year for the feast days and they had these sacrifices to do and every single part of their day all day long and every day and every month and every year there were things that kept them close to the Lord their God and they had to do things to remind themselves that we are a strange and a peculiar people and we're supposed to be God's people and we're gonna do things that are different so that we stay close to God and they were tired of it and they just wanted a break and they just want to be like everybody else and that's the reason that they constantly uh, allowed the influence of the pagan nations and they constantly married off their children to the pagans because it was just easier And folks, that is what's going on today in America, is that we just want the easy way out. We are just tired of having to do God's will. And I'm telling you, it is tiring to get up every morning and to get up extra early to read the Bible and pray with your family. It is tiring to uh, uh, do God's will instead of the devil's will. It is tiring to fight against the world And the sinfulness of the world, it is tiring to raise your family the way that God wants you to raise your family. And it is just so much easier just to turn a blind eye and ignore the will of the Lord and to do it your own way and forget about God. And I understand. I get it. God gets it. He understands. And the only way we're going to do it and we're going to keep doing it and we're going to stay close to God is if we are in our Bible and we are praying and we ask the Lord to give us a love for him and to keep us having a love for him. It's the only way it's going to work. It's easy to just give in and give up and just start doing it the way of the world. And, and you can see that that's what the majority of Christians in America have done. Because that's exactly where our world is. Our society is going downhill and fast. We are on a grease pole to hell. Things are not going well in America today, folks. We might think that they are. We might be happy with our portfolio and the economy. We might be happy with, uh, you know, our bank account. We might be happy with our uh, our investments. But I'm telling you, America is not doing well. And and what I fear for, really is that America is on the verge of going downhill real seriously, real hard. And that is all going to be because of our rejection of God and our willingness to just do things the way the world wants us to. And I see us walking away from the Bible is, is making it... Um, nations are not judged in the afterlife. We are going to get our due in this life. You say, nah, God doesn't do that. That's not God's way. and God would never do that, and he's just love and everything. That is nonsense. You cannot find that in the Bible. God judges nations, and he judges nations that he loves as much as nations that he abhors. He judged Nineveh. He judged Jerusalem. Do not for a second think that we are above the law. Our day is coming. And the only thing that I fear is that we are beyond the point of return. You see, in the Old Testament, we get to certain points in the Bible where God actually says, don't pray for him. Don't bother praying. It's not going to do any good. I'm not listening. It's beyond the point of prayer reaching my ears and turning my head. It is going to happen. The hammer is going to fall. And my big question, the thing that I'm most curious about, is in America, are we beyond that point or can we still seek out the Lord and he is still willing to turn Now, I'm going to give you an idea, and again, this is not a popular one, but go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and I think we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to see if I'm right or not. Here we go. In Genesis chapter 12, God is talking to Abram, who will later have his name changed to Abraham. And he says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, what are we talking about here? Let's go to the previous verse. This is where God calls out Abraham. In verse 1 of chapter 12, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing." So, God says that He is going to make a great nation out of Abram, and He says that He is going to be a blessing, and His nation will be a blessing. Then He goes on to say, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, right there, we know that God is talking about the nation that's coming from Abraham, because otherwise how could all the families of the earth be blessed by Abraham? Well, that doesn't really make sense, because Abraham is only going to live so long and he's going to die. So God sandwiches that verse from the top and the bottom by saying, I'm talking about the nation that's coming from you. And what God says is that those of us That bless Israel will be blessed, and those of us that curse Israel will be cursed. Do you know that all the nations that were horrible to Israel, they're gone? Did you know that? And all the nations that were good to Israel are still around. Now, if you don't believe me, how many Babylonians do you know? You don't know any. But then when you find out, you say, well, how many Persians do you know? Because that was the nation that took over, and the Jews were under the Persian Empire. When you read through Daniel, and you get up through Daniel chapter 5, starting in verse 6, I believe, is when the Persian Empire enters the scene, and all of a sudden the Persians are in charge, and the Babylonians have been taken over. And at that point, you say, well, how many Persians do you know? Well, do you know where the Persians are? Persians are Iranians. Someone from Iran is not an Arab. They are a Persian. They don't speak Arabic. They speak Farsi. The Persian nation is still here. Did you know that um Cyrus, King of Persia, sent the Jews back to Israel and he not only sent them back, he gave them all the stuff they needed to rebuild their temple and rebuild the wall and rebuild the city and he helped them out with materials and money and and all these different things. And guess what? Persia's still here. Did you know that most empires when they would go throughout the world they would pillage and plunder and they would tear down and destroy and burn all these different things and one of the things that they would do is they would tear down all the different churches and they would destroy them and break them into pieces and they would force you to worship their pagan gods so everyone had to jump onto the religion of the nation that took over yours. This one fella Who defeated the Persians and their million-man army that they had. It was this young fellow by the name of Alexander the Great. Did you know that Alexander the Great, who was Greek, okay, the Greeks took over and, and defeated the Persians and took over the world, did you know that Alexander the Great, one of the reasons he was famous was because he didn't know who God was. He didn't know who the true Lord of the earth was. So he said, we are going to destroy none of the churches. In all the lands they went to, none of the churches were allowed to be destroyed. So the temple, the second temple that was in Jerusalem when the Greeks came through and they took over the world, they didn't touch it. They didn't force anyone to worship their gods. They said, we don't know who the real God is, so we're just going to let everyone do what they want. Now, they made everyone learn Greek pretty standard okay so the whole world learned Greek and and to be honest with you thank God for that because it sure made understanding the Bible a lot easier than some other languages <clears throat> but Alexander the Great and the Greeks didn't tear down the temples so guess what Greeks are still here Romans Romans didn't have it so good Romans destroyed the temple and where are the Romans today yeah they're gone So you find that when you go through all of history, you find out that the nations that were good to the Jews, guess what? They're still around. And the nations that were horrible to the Jews, there are no Ammonites left. There are no Moabites left. They're gone. They have been snuffed out. God made sure every single one of them was dead. You know, again and again and again, I go back to the Bible is true. The Bible is real. Blessings and curses are true. And do you want to know one of the reasons America is still around? America is still around because we have a pro-Israel policy. Israel is our ally. And I'll tell you what, if you ever want to know the time or the day to be scared to be an American, that's easy. The day that we turn our back on Israel and no longer support them. I'll tell you what, that is the day that I am probably going to sell out and move to another country. Because it's over. Boy, we got through an hour pretty quick you know there's more that i could go through and we could talk for another half hour if you can believe it we went through this hour without any notes and out any and without any prep time caleb and i were planning on talking about other things but he wasn't able to make it and i just decided to jump on here because i i just feel like we just have not been good about being consistent on this podcast for a little while so i wanted to get on here and just air some of my concerns and I don't know, maybe you know, maybe that's a help to some of you. Hey, just so you know, if anyone lives in Grand Junction or the surrounding area and is looking for a church home, come visit our house. We have a little home church every Friday night at six thirty. We get together and study the Bible together and it's a wonderful time. So with that Thank you for getting on here. Thank you for you folks that have been watching and listening. I do hope that this was all a blessing, and I would love to talk more about the Bible with you. Thank you for your time. Uh, Have a great week, and I'll talk to you hopefully next Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Shavua Tov.